For more shows like this, visit us at CosmicPotatoNetwork.com. Hey everybody, Sean here. I just wanted to jump in here real quick at the beginning and let you know that this episode is a little different because when we recorded it, we weren't really recording a podcast. (laughs) We had just finished recording an episode of that Star Trek podcast, formerly known as Star Trek All Access, and we decided to just kind of hang out when we were done and we talked for another 30 or uh, 40 minutes or so about different things. We talked a little bit about politics. We talked about movies. We talked a little bit about TV. You know, all kinds of stuff came up. But uh, it was just a conversation. And it was just supposed to be a live stream. Uh, people were commenting on the the chat room and things like that. But uh, it wasn't supposed to be an episode. But since it went on for a while, I decided that uh, I'd go ahead and release it as an episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? You ready? I was born ready. Alrighty then. Hold on to your butt. For more than five years, they've been entertaining you with their discussions on classic films, Marvel, Star Wars, and more. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Now, in a time of gatekeepers and toxic fandom, they are waving the banner of inclusion, opening the conversation, and letting all perspectives be heard. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Fascinating. Keep the change, you filthy animal. So, Facebook uh, user. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Facebook user. Cool show. I really enjoy that. Got my nerve fixed. Who are you, Facebook wow. user? Wow. Tell, tell us your name. Show <laughs> us your papers. <laughs> um, so, um,. So Donald Trump has coronavirus. Uh, who, who didn't see that coming? <laughs> what what a twist! Yeah. Well, well I mean, they they showed a picture of the uh, press conference that he gave in the Rose Garden about three or four days ago, something like that, and they put a circle around everybody that was there that's now got coronavirus. It was a lot of people, and but then there was other people sitting around them. So, if you're in that picture, go get tested. <laughs> but uh, my my main my main thing with this is, yeah, I'm I mean I'm I'm not gonna go out and say, oh yeah, I'm I'm happy that he's got it or whatever. I don't wish that on anybody, but I do the fact that he found out that he was exposed to it. And still went and had a rally inside with no mask on. Shows that he he doesn't care. I mean, he doesn't care if he surprises you. It doesn't surprise me. It's just (laughs) how many how many episodes does twenty twenty have? (laughs) I think we're almost well. I I I don't. I'm afraid of what the cliffhanger is going to (laughs) be. I saw a, a sketch that um, came up on Facebook with uh, it was for the Ke- the Kelly Clarkson show, and she was singing all what? these theme songs from uh, from Kelly Clarkson has a show. Yeah, she has a talk show, and uh, okay. she's been doing her show from home, 
and now she's finally back in the on her set but her audience is uh like she's got a bunch of screens set up in the audience oh is that oh that's her show okay. yeah i thought ellen was doing that ellen's, ellen's doing, ellen's that, doing too. that too yeah. okay yeah but she um she did the skit where she was singing all these theme songs from old tv shows and stuff like that and then bob saget comes out bob saget like beams in or whatever and he comes out and uh is talking to her about you know um she's talking about how she misses her friends and all this kind of stuff and he says well you know it may seem that the world is uh going crazy with coronavirus and murder hornets and zombie cicadas and mummy mummy sloths and she says mummy sloths and he says oh they're coming <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard any of saget's early stand-up oh yeah when he was he makes george carlin seem clean yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't i mean it, it's so funny when you like these these people who end up being famous for some sort of squeaky clean role have you ever heard any of red fox's stand-up oh yeah I remember sure. yeah fred, mm-hmm. fred sanford Dude, yeah, like, oh, yeah, no, he Richard had, he had Pryor the, on on steroids. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he had some of the funniest stuff. Okay, I'll tell him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sean's, Sean's gonna relay a message. No, my my wife. My, hi, Sherry. They said hi. 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 <laughs> she has a headache. Oh. <laughs> she, um, you know, my wife has an immune deficiency, so um. Her immunologist, when she first found out about it, the immunologist that they sent her to, he's been around for a long time. And when he was a student back in the 70s, he um, one of the cases that he worked on was the quote-unquote bubble boy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so she um, she's done a lot of reading about that case and that and that kind of stuff chris christie uh, a couple of years ago he made a statement that was kind of making fun of the bubble boy i don't remember exactly yeah. what he said but then he's now he's got coronavirus and she says now he's the bubble boy case <laughs> <laughs> any of y'all are are most of y'all are probably too young to understand why i just said john travolta the oh yeah the movie yeah the, mm-hmm. the boy in the plastic bubble it was about a, a it was a book about a kid who had like basically no immune system. It's a true story. It was, uh, yeah. And, and he had to spend, I don't know if he's still alive or not. I don't, I, I don't think so. Uh, um, I'll look it up. You know, he basically had to live in a sterile environment. And so they made a movie out of it starring a fairly young John Travolta. It was a TV movie. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, the boy in the plastic bubble. And, um, so that's where that came. Uh, let's see. I got it, Rick. <laughs> it was. Let's see. It was. I'm old. Maybe uh, about the lives of David stuff. Vetter and and Ted Devita. Oh, so it's about two different people. But let's see. Ted Devita died in 1980. Uh, he was in his 20s because he was born. Well, 62, 72. Yeah, no, he was about 18 when he died. Um, and the other guy's name, David Vetter, he died in 1984. He was only about mm. 13. No, he was 12. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and now, I mean, now there's a lot more. I mean, science has come a long way. 
he wouldn't have to live in a plastic bubble now. They have other things that they can do. But yeah, back then, if if it got pierced, if the bubble got pierced in any way and let in any air or whatever, it it, it could it could mean death for him because no, his body couldn't fight off anything. Hmm. So yeah. Well, that's the you know it, it's you know HIV, uh, human Im- immunodeficiency. Yeah. No, what does it mean? What is HIV? Human immunodeficiency virus or something like that. HIV. Um, it, it's it's the virus that causes AIDS, and AIDS Human is an acquired immunodeficiency deficiency. viruses. Yeah, it's yeah. it's two um, species of lentivirus. It's it you know it's not AIDS isn't what kills you. It's the fact that it destroys your immune system, and then any opportunistic infection can become lethal. So like a cold or you know, the flu or something, you know, illnesses that are generally defeated by your body's immune system can be lethal because the immune system doesn't work. Um, why are we talking about this? We're talking about Trump having coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) Linda Park's got an amazing immune system. (laughs) (laughs) Won't quit on Linda Park. I think have I have I said this on maybe it was this show I don't know if it was this show or the Quantum Leap podcast. There have been um, episodes of Enterprise when I was like doing like a rewatch where I got so distracted by how beautiful Linda Park is that I realized that I hadn't heard anything they had said for the show in the last five or ten. I had to rewind to see what the show was actually about. <laughs> so. Oh, she's pretty. <laughs> exactly. I was just like transfixed. <laughs> Like now, I, you know, I have to give uh, Jolene Blaylock credit for this episode. I never really liked her performance. I thought she went a little too wooden for for her Vulcan for for T'Pol. But I liked, you know, in 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 the in a mirror darkly. I liked that she she got to actually do a little more acting than normal. But she's not she's not trying to put on that Vulcan shtick in this. I think they yeah. they're all playing against type and against expectations, so that's why I mean she gets to actually act a little bit. Plus yeah. the fact that she has a nice head of hair as opposed to, you know, that that awful wig that they give her. It just yeah. I, I still I did like that Saval that. had the 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 Spock Van mm. Dyke going on. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had to. <laughs> 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 they should just like every uh every guy have a have a goatee. <laughs> <laughs> the darkest timeline. Yeah. <laughs> and we I still have to do that show. I want I want to do a community episode. Um You know it's funny we did um, we did a special episode of Quantum Leap podcast where we do our Patreon things and we talk about just other like we call it fangent and I talked about community because I just had just finished binging it. I was trying to remember why. And it was because of Quantum Leap. Um, I used a, a ripoff, a, like a ukulele version of the song somewhere out there. Um, because they had said something of the effect of, you know, your your parents looking at the same stars. It was in the Leaping of the Shrew episode. And then every time I tried to find, like, a different version of Somewhere Out There, except, you know, aside from, like, the, the, the adult contemporary pop version, the only thing that kept on coming up is Troy and Abed sing, uh, and I said that like Chevy Chase, Troy and Abed sing Somewhere Out There. And I was just like, oh, what? And then you and John were mentioning community. I think you had said something like, well, we should do a show. Yeah. And so I just started watching it. 
and I it, it consumed my life for like over a month because there are so many episodes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was good. It was a good show. Yeah, they did. Show. They did like uh, fifteen episodes a season for six years. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why that show doesn't appeal to me. I watched like I don't six think episodes. You, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you went far enough in because the the, fir- the first season, um, is you got to get into season two because in season two they really let the uh, is it the the Russo brothers that were. In terms yeah, of mm-hmm. yeah. Joe and Anthony. Yeah, yeah they. Well, uh, was, they really Stan Harmon. Yeah, Stan Harmon. Yeah, yeah, him, yeah, him too. They directed a lot of them. Because it's not like I, I rage quit the show. I just I watched a few episodes and and just never went back. Yeah, Maybe see, it wasn't time for you. I mean, season one is season one is just a basic sitcom. Season two, they really let them kind of do what they wanted to do, and they experimented. They did a lot of different stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they they really play around with. Uh, with genres, like they'll have an episode where it'll all be like a, like a theme. Like this is our, this is a diehard episode, you know, where they're playing with all these tropes and stuff like that. And, and it's always uh, very, very self-referential. Like they'll, yeah. they'll tell you that that's exactly what they're doing. So it, it became very meta. Oh yeah, they did an they did an episode that was a bottle episode. You know, where the entire episode mm-hmm. took place in the study room, and at the very beginning of it, uh, they said, "All right." Let's do this bottle episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, Rick, because you say like it, it didn't appeal to you. It might have just been at the time that you were, because the new show that I'm binging now, uh, and I can't stop, is The Good Place. And oh, I wonderful. saw the first maybe maybe two or three episodes when it premiered on whatever premiered. I don't even remember the channel. I was like, the show is not for me. I didn't like it. Yeah, didn't I, like I, it at all. Didn't I like watched it the first all. episode and went, mm, right? Now I can't stop watching it. It's great. It's yeah, a great show. I'm on season four already. You so. can't. It's one of those things. Like the first episode gives you an inkling of what the show is about, but you don't really know what the show is about until the season finale. Yeah, of that's true. One. Yeah. <laughs> you see, because okay, because like I when I watched the first episode, I was kind of intrigued right up until the point where she's like, "I'm going to pretend." that I belong here and you're going to help me. And I was like, it's just another giant damn Mm. sitcom plot. And I just, I hate, yeah. So it, it gets, it. Oh, it it constantly changes. It constantly reinvents itself through the entire series. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay. Now, have any of y'all watched upload? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. You know what? I liked it. I watched like two episodes of it, and I'm I'm not against it, but I've had no real driving motivation to watch I, anymore. I watched it because I didn't realize I knew Robbie Amell. I didn't realize it was Robbie Amell until like episode four, because it always skips the the credits on on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Oh shit, that's Firestorm," and um, that's that's Stephen Amell's brother. And I said, yeah. "That's why I know that guy from." And it was annoying me, and I'll tell you why, Rick, because. It was just another show about um, a, a self-satisfied, pretty white guy. Yeah. And I was just like, do I need to see this fucking character again? <laughs> and But he kind of plays with it, and he's actually kind of sympathetic, and the woman who's in it is is wonderful. Yeah, she's fantastic. But, but the show kind of falls apart. Like, somewhere, somewhere right in the middle, I just all of a sudden kind of lost interest. 
And I stuck through because I just I figured I'm I'm in this far. Let me see what I got. Four more episodes to go, but I I I don't feel any reason to go back to see how season two plays out if there is a season two. Yeah, and that's my you know Scott was raving about it, and uh, and so I you know right now when I go to work, I go to work, I sit in my office, I don't literally I don't have anything to do, um. And so I've been, you know, working on my City of Heroes characters. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, City of Heroes. Um, no, that's not the name. But yeah. Yeah, City of Heroes. That's the, the, your role-playing game. You know, I had this problem yesterday. I gave blood yesterday. And this may be <laughs> why I'm a little out of it today. Uh, it's, it's, it takes a little more out of me every time <laughs> as I get older. Ah, um, you'll find that blood is not enough, Rick. You should um, give love. I, <laughs> no, don't give love. But, <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> you know, when when Sorry, when Pete you Townsend fan. Sorry. <laughs> when you give blood after you've gone through all of the the screening, you see you're you're on the chair, and then they 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 say, "Okay, tell me your name and your birthday." Which are the two easiest questions any human being should ever have to answer? I blanked on my goddamn birthday, and I'm like, "What the hell? <laughs> I can't remember my birthday." Um, <laughs> But uh, I blank when I go to pick up uh, medication, uh, especially if I go to pick up medication for my wife. I know what my wife's birthday is, but for some reason, when they ask me, I'm like, uh, <laughs> and then I tell them, and then my wife looks at me, you forgot when my birthday is. I'm like, no, I didn't. I just <laughs> kind of blank for a second. Uh, Jeffrey asked us a couple of questions. Looking forward to SNL premiere tonight, guys. Uh, Jeffrey, no, I am not. I, I haven't watched SNL, SNL in years. I'll I haven't probably, watched SNL since the nineties. <laughs> I'll probably watch it just because I want to see what Jim Carrey does. Jim Carrey's supposed to play Joe Biden, so I want to see that. Um, oh wow, Jim Carrey, my favorite human on earth. <laughs> yeah, did you ha- have you seen the clip of him on the uh, Greg Norton show where he's uh, he's on there with? Um, you mean Graham Norton? What did I say? Greg. Greg. Oh. This is a different guy. See, I don't know my goddamn birthday, but I know Graham Norton's yeah. name. <laughs> Greg Norton is the American version of the Graham Norton show. <laughs> uh no, uh what's what's uh the, the the girl that plays Harley Quinn? What's her name? Robbie Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Robbie, yeah. So he was on there with her and he's he's sitting there telling her how great he thinks she is, you know, that he's been watching her movies and stuff. And I think you're absolutely wonderful despite your obvious, uh, physical disabilities or something like that. (laughs) Or disadvantages, your obvious physical disadvantages. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) I've never been able to pinpoint why I don't like Jim Carrey. It's, it's after he after he dated uh, Jenny McCarthy. He went. Insane. No, it had it was long before that. I didn't like him. Um, I you know, but but then again, I've liked some of his work. I loved The Mask. He was nobody else could have done that role as well as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved The Truman Show. Yeah, and Eternal Sunshine. I, I never saw that one. That's a but great. I loved oh, Bruce yes. Almighty, which surprised the hell so, out of me. I didn't yeah, expect she... to like that movie. When you think of the mask and Bruce Almighty, that's Jim Carrey doing his Jim Carrey bullshit, which I just I can't sit through a movie like that. Normally yes, I can't. Liar, liar. Uh, yeah. Batman Forever. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I think yeah. it was about the time that I I loved Jim Carrey when I was a teenager. 
uh, Ace Ventura, uh, Dumb and Dumber, those movies. But yeah, I guess it could be the like an age difference too, yeah. right? Yeah, I, he, I want no, wanted nothing to do with those movies. He made um, Batman Forever, which I liked him in, but he got paid more to be in that movie than Val Kilmer did. And I think that that kind of went to his head. And a lot of the stuff that he's come out with since then has been hit or miss for me. Now, that stuff, Man in the Moon, I thought, um, is it Man I in the Moon or Man on the Moon? Oh. I like that. Yeah, I hated Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Jim Carrey, so that oh, was like the yeah. double, double whammy of I'm not I don't not think you have, to, you have to like Andy Kaufman to like that movie. But I thought it was a good movie. He, uh, uh, what was it? There was another one that nobody liked. That I'm, I think I'm the only one that likes it. It's the majestic, the majestic. Oh, uh, it made no sense because the whole it takes place during that era of the '50s where a lot of people in Hollywood were being accused of being communists and getting blackballed mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He got accused of being. He was a filmmaker. He was a screenwriter, and he got accused of being a communist. And he. Um, he was going to be arrested. He was running away from being arrested. He bumped his head and lost his memory. And he winds up at this little town where somebody that lives in that town had gone off to war. And the guy, and when he showed up, he looks enough like the guy that people thought it was him. I was like, come on. You even, even the, even the guy's dad thought it was him. I was like, come on, you know, your own son. But, um, but the whole gist of the movie is that there's this old movie theater that's been closed down for years and he kind of takes over and, and brings it back and stuff. And he gets his his memory back at the end of the movie because they show one of the movies that he wrote. And when he sees it on screen, he starts saying the words and everything and brings his memory back and all that kind of stuff. So David Ogden Steers is in it. Um, it's I liked it. It's a good movie. That me describing it sounds like the worst movie ever made. <laughs> now, you see, look, looking at what, at what Jeff says about uh, about Andy Kaufman, he's like, uh, I disliked Andy. Uh, here's he disliked Andy Kaufman, but enjoyed his comedy theoretically. I like the idea of his playing to just one person in the room out of one hundred. However, it's not good for a comedian to be like theoretically and not actually. If that makes sense, uh, no, not quite sure. <laughs> see, th- here's here's the thing. Um. And maybe, again, it's an age thing. I watched Andy Kaufman fall apart over the course of like six years in the in the late 70s, early 80s, whatever that was. I watched him go from this really avant-garde comedian on SNL. You know, like I loved some of his early just weird as shit stuff where he would just he needed to fill five minutes. And so he'd go out on stage and he'd have a little record player and he'd put on this record of Mighty Mouse. Yeah, yeah. And he would just stand there. And that's and just, in the movie, yeah. All all he would do would be to lip sync the chorus. And then he would just stand there until yeah, as the record played. And it was like, this is so stupid, it's, fu- it's funny. Or he'd bring out a bunch of big biker-ass looking guys, you know. And they'd bring out these these giant drums. And they'd start playing this drum, this this like heavy you know, Ireland drum beat. And he starts singing about yodeling. I mean, it was weird shit like that, that I liked. And then he was on taxi and he played Latka, which was this character that would never fly today. Cause he was just sort of this generic. Baltic character. But then he started doing this wrestling bullshit. 
<laughs> wrestling women, yeah. <laughs> wrestling women. It would just pull, you know, get some woman out of the audience, and it was, and then you know, like you hear stories about this character he he, he created, Tony you know, something, Tony something, and and like I just saw a a, a, a there's like all these interviews on YouTube with all these stars, and it's Mary Lou Henner from like you know eight years ago talking about how he would come in dressed as this guy, and mm. everybody had to treat him like he was a separate person. And and it just it just got more and more insane and not insane in a fun way, but just like this dude needs to be in serious therapy, maybe even locked up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it just stopped being funny. And so I didn't want to watch a movie about a character, about a, a you know, a, a comedian who I just by the time he faded from from the public eye, I was so sick of him that I didn't want to go back and revisit that. Yeah. I think when I went to when I went to see it, I was probably twenty twenty one. I barely knew who Andy Kaufman was. Mm, yeah, I mean, I had seen Taxi because I used to watch Nick at Night a lot. A lot of those old sitcoms I used to watch, and um, so I knew about him from there. But I knew I knew Jim Carrey, and I wanted to see Jim Carrey play a more serious role, which he say it's a more serious role. It's a biopic of. Uh, Andy Kaufman, which there's a lot of comedy in it, but biopic, 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 it's biopic. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> You're being myopic if you think it's biopic. <laughs> and one thing I, I Jeff I, said I he went to see it because of the REM song. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I, Andy Kaufman to me struck me, and it's in the, the very first scene of the movie when he switches the booger in his nose. His comedy is not based on being funny. His comedy is based on fucking with people. Yeah, and so it's funny to him, and the joke is at everybody else's expense. And uh, I don't like comedy like that. It makes me uncomfortable. Like I can't, I can't sit through that Borat movie for that reason. Which like, is I all stand that, that they, style of comedy. Yeah, there's because so they're many laughing reality at shows that are doing that now. Not yeah. with people, and it just I cringe every time. And like Kaufman to me seems like a pioneer of that. It, it's just mean spirited. It's just mean spirited, and you, it, to me, that's not brilliant. That's just being an asshole. Yeah, so. well, it's, it, it's like Maplethorpe, you know. I will not argue that Maplethorpe stuff is an art, but when your your sole purpose in art is to anger, annoy, disgust people, uh, fine. I'm sure there's an audience for that, but it's it's not something I'm interested in, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, as a theater person, I've dealt with a lot of this. You know, let's just piss people off shows and, and, you know, uh, art exhibits and stuff. And I just, I got over it. You know, even when I was young and you're supposed to really be into this, let's, let's, let's Mm -hmm. anger people. Let's make them. There's a, there's, there's, there's a, 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 you know, valid artistic way to do that. And then there's just, I'm going to piss on somebody's face in the audience and see what they do. Mm. Um, and, and the, the, you know, I got stuck going to the shows that you're going to. <laughs> well, I, you know, my, my, uh, one of my, uh, scenic design teachers did a production of you're in town, which I, I honestly, I've heard of it forever. I don't know what the show is about, but they, they set up the lobby and he was telling us about this and he was proud of this. 
they set up the lobby and they took these sheets so that, you know, I, I, I really enjoy it when we do a, when we, you know, set up the lobby for a show. We don't do it very often, but I love it when the audience walks into the show from the minute they walk into the theater. It's, it's a rare thing, but it's, it's still kind of fun to do. But what they did was they set up a corridor of sheets that had been literally soaked in urine uh, and human urine. Yeah. Uh. And I'm like, that's just gross. That's not art. That's, I mean, it is art, you know, I, I okay. As an artist, as a, as a, and I consider myself an artist. I'm not very good at it, but I'm good at my job. Um, you know, I facilitate art. I don't necessarily make it. I make other people's art, but, um, I, you know, to me, art is, you know, you can get into this, the, the whole discussion of whether a particular artwork is good or not, or whether it's important or what, anything like this. I, I came up with my own definition of art many years ago. We did a production of a show called um, Museum, and it takes place in a modern art museum. And it's just, it's just a bunch of basically vignettes of people coming through and reacting to the art that they see. Uh, and so th- this was one of the, the year I was teaching high school and there is a, a modern art museum, like within walking distance of that high school. And so I took a field trip of all of our students and we went to the art museum and one of the pieces on display was just basically, you know, those, those banners you see at used car dealerships where it's a string with a bunch of little triangular yeah. mm-hmm. plastic triangular, you know, they, they, they put those up and there was something in the middle of it. I don't even remember what it was. Um, and then how many times have you heard someone look at a piece of modern art and go, oh, my 12 year, my, my two year old mm-hmm. could have done that, or I could have done that. And then I realized it's not the level of difficulty that makes something art. It's the fact that yes, your two year old could have done that, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. This guy did. Yeah. It's, and that's when I realized, to, you know, in my opinion, Art is defined by a deliberate act. You know, having a dog shit on the stage and then putting it in a frame, that's not art. That's a dog shitting on the stage. But somebody saying, I'm going to put these used car lot banners around a rocking chair or whatever it was, whether or not it's difficult, it's art. Whether or not it's valid, whether or not it's important, is that's a whole other discussion. But the deliberate act of creating something to me is art. So I don't yeah. deny that what Andy Kaufman did was artistic. It just, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it. I didn't enjoy it. And I really didn't want to see Jim Carrey do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've kind of lost uh, a lot of my fandom of Jim, Jim Carrey over the years because a lot of it's got to do with the his whole stance yeah. on vaccines and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the anti-vax stuff is just yeah. But but now he did do a show on uh, Showtime last year that was called what was the name of that show? Anyway, he was playing a Mister Rogers esque yeah. character or something like that, and it's actually a pretty good show. It's dark. It's a dark show, but uh, I enjoyed that. But it's probably the only thing he's come out with in the last. 10 years that I can say that I really enjoyed. (laughs) Uh, There was a show that I watched uh, called Away. It's on Netflix. And it's got Hilary Swank in it. You've been trying to get me to watch it. and I think both you and Scott have been trying to get me to watch it. It is 
good. Um, it's about the first man mission to Mars. And the, the thing I like about it is that, you know, it's, it's one of those, I think it's 10 episodes and every episode, you know, they're, they're, they're on a ship that's heading from, they go to the moon in the first episode. And then the, after that, they go from the moon to Mars. And now, so this isn't the same show that like has tries to make itself look like a documentary and no, no, because Elon Musk I said, what is this garbage? What, what, I, yeah. No, no, yeah. No. I, I don't think I made it through the first episode. I didn't either. I was just like, this is, this is, what is this? That's not what it, yeah. No, this is a drama. This is a drama, right? Sean? Yeah. 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 Okay. And what I like about it is that, uh, you know, there's every episode, there's something going wrong that they have to fix. You know, they can call ground and tell them what's going on. Ground can tell them what to fix, but they have to do it. You know, it's either you do it or you're going to die. Um, but a lot of it happens on the ship. There's not a, there's, there's only two episodes where they do a spacewalk. So they don't do a lot of stuff that, that really relies on, CGI effects really there, there's a lot of episodes where the only special effect is the fact that they're weightless in some of the scenes they're on a ship that's got like um it's got like this rotating outside it's got like a counterweight and it's got their living module on the other end of it and it spins so when they're in their living module they have gravity but then when they get down into the like the bridge or whatever the the working area they're all weightless because it's in the center of the ship. So yeah. that's in the Nexus. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's a, uh, but it's really good. I, and it, and it has a lot to, they go back and forth between the ship and ground because, you know, she's left her family behind on a three year mission and she's got a teenage daughter. Her husband gets injured in like the second episode, you know, and she's away and can't be there with her family and stuff like that. So it's got a lot of family drama stuff going on there. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's really a good show. I don't know if there's going to be a season two. It's left open where they could do a season two. Uh, but they haven't announced that they're going to yet or anything. But like I said, it's 10 episodes. That's what I like about some of the new stuff that comes out on streaming and stuff because you can tell people about it and you tell them, hey, it's 10 episodes, you know? Right. You know, give it a shot. Watch three or four episodes. If you don't like it, move on. If you do, it's not like a huge time commitment. It's not like somebody says, you really got to watch Supernatural. It's 15 years, and they've had 20, <laughs> 25 <laughs> episodes per season. You know, my favorite show. I punched down somewhere in the middle of season seven, and I can't even imagine ever catching up. And I love yeah. the show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my, my, my wife watched it, and so I kind of, watched it over her shoulder and you know when it was season end of season six season seven like yeah this is the last season i'm like okay and they're wrapping things up and so and so is in hell and and then you're like no it's coming back what (laughs) i was supposed to end with season five and the ending was almost perfect Mm -hmm. uh and then they said well we're gonna go to season six we're making money. We're going to keep yeah. doing it. Nah, I but Eric Kripke the... left the show. He he left because his show was season one to season five. So he just he stayed on as like a supervising producer or something like that. But mm-hmm. he wasn't writing it or anything after that fact. So I watched the Scooby Doo episode that they did. Yeah, uh, I did too. I don't know why, ago. but I did. Yeah. I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because I liked the the, the Scooby Doo tropes that they played with, but I liked the fact that. Uh, 
one of the brothers, I and I, I don't watch the show enough to remember which brother is which. And you got Sam and Dean, right? So right. one of them says, uh, one of them is a Scooby-Doo fan, and the other one has never really watched the show. And uh, so Fred puts together this elaborate trap and everything, and then, it, of course, it fails immediately. when it. And uh, they said... Well, the trap didn't work. Oh, yeah, Fred's traps never work. <laughs> it's like, why did we spend so much time building it? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I watched Scooby-Doo as a kid in the 70s, and it was more my brother's show than my show. But, I mean, that has uh, apparently endless legs, just like Supernatural. Think about I still haven't watched, I still haven't watched Scoob. We own it now. I, I haven't seen the whole thing. Uh, Sharon got it for her birthday. And I came home like two thirds of the way through it and just, you know, I can't say whether it's a good story, but there were so many Easter eggs thrown at us parents, you know, us, that, those of us that grew up watching Scooby-Doo that it was, it was brilliant. Um, the only problem I had with it is uh, Blue Falcon and Dino Mutter in it. Uh, those that to me makes Scooby-Doo worth watching. Yeah. yeah. But I'm I'm like, been watching it for like 20 minutes and I'm listening and I, I, some, somebody famous voices Dynamut. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why is Dynamut talking like that? And they're like, well, that's how Dynamut talks. I'm like, no, Dynamut talks like this. This was Dynamut, you know, right? <laughs> and, and my wife's like, no, he didn't talk like, he talked like that. And I was, I thought I was losing my mind. And finally I looked it up and found some videos I'm like, no, that's how Dino Mutt talked. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. changed it for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they retconned it. <laughs> All right, guys, you might have unbounced. It's 1130. Yeah, yeah I'm about it's, to. it's yeah. bedtime. <laughs> We're going to go watch a, watch a movie or something. So, All right. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye-bye, Bye everybody. Bye-bye. And broadcast. Thank you for joining us. You can contact us by joining our Facebook group, following us on Twitter, or sending an email to cosmicpotatopod at gmail.com. You can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and at cosmicpotatonetwork.com. Be sure to join us again next time on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast.